third win against the top ten and the Orange had them all the way. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into my heart. I'll bring for the win battle. Bang! Boom! And the Orange do it again. The cardiac juice comes through on the road one more time. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Friday edition of Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part by Duntire. 315-437-7644 is the number. If you'd like to get involved, we're talking NFL Draft today. Round one in the books. Rounds two and three tonight. Four through seven being held tomorrow. We do have two guests lined up for you. We're going to talk Bills at 1230 with Toby Matika, he's the weekend sports anchor at Wham in Rochester. Our good friend Mike Catalana uh, has his hands full this weekend. He's down uh, in the Dallas area covering the draft for Wham. So we'll talk with their weekend sports anchor, Toby Matika. And then coming up at 1.30, we're going to talk some Giants. Art Stapleton from the Bergen Record in New Jersey. He's the Giants beat writer for that publication. He will join us. And, and we've got a lot to talk about. And again, phone calls welcome at any time. We want to hear from you, Jets fans, Giants fans, Bills fans. If there are Browns fans out there, what do you think about Baker Mayfield going number one? So let's start right there, Seth. All right. Most surprising thing you saw last night. There were plenty of surprises. What was the most surprising thing from last night? I think Denzel Ward at number four, right? I think that that was pretty surprising, especially with Bradley Chubb still on the clock, as as everybody kind of expected him to be. Uh, I thought that it was pretty straightforward. I thought that the, the Browns were going to go. And they were going to take whoever was left on the board of Bradley Chubb and Saquon Barkley. And and they didn't. And I guess that's surprising. But at the same time, uh, you know, if, if Denzel Ward can come in and do what his former Ohio State teammate Marshawn Lattimore did for the Saints last year and be a top corner when you have to play four of your 16 games against A.J. Green or Antonio Brown and potentially Des Bryant as the number one receiver down in Baltimore uh, as, as they're having conversations— you know, I, I guess it makes sense to draft a cornerback. I would say, for me, the most surprising thing, I'll, I'll stick with the Browns. It, I, I'll just put their two picks together because, yes, Ward was a little bit of a surprise. I thought Baker Mayfield was a surprise. And, yes, we heard the, the reports, you know, 24 hours out from the start of the draft that, you know, Baker Mayfield was gaining momentum and that that might be the, the Browns pick. And we had heard, you know, the reports that teams around the league thought that Baker Mayfield was going to go number one. I thought it was going to be Sam Darnold all along, and I know that there was all this momentum for Josh Allen for quite a few weeks. I think Sam Darnold is the safest quarterback pick in this draft. If you need a quarterback, I felt like he was the safest pick. And so when I look at you know the the easiest pick of the first, I think the easiest pick of the first round was was the Jets. I mean, yeah. they're sitting there. Barkley goes second. Mayfield goes first. Sam Darnold is the guy, correct me if I'm wrong, Seth, that's the guy they wanted all along, and he falls oh, right in their lap. That was the easiest pick of the night. Oh, it absolutely was. There, there was a, That was the no-brainer of all no-brainers, right? The, the Jets picking Sam Darnold, they wanted him for, for a year. I, I mean, they tried to be terrible to pick him, but the Giants and the Browns were worse, and then they thought they weren't going to get him because they were too good uh, to get. I mean, five teams were better than the Jets this year. Uh, were worse than the Jets this year. So they thought they were too good to go get Sam Darnold, and, and he falls into their lap anyway. Um, I would say the Baker Mayfield pick is surprising, except that we started getting all those reports yesterday. And so by the time the draft rolled around, I, I just kind of expected that to be the pick. And and I know that there was some wavering and there was some back and forth, but uh, I, I 
by the time the draft rolled around, by the time 8.15 came and, and Roger Goodell went and made the pick, right, and, and announced the first pick, I would have been surprised if it was somebody other than Baker Mayfield. I think that's fair. I wouldn't say I was shocked when he announced it because we had heard the reports. Maybe I should rephrase it. If you go back to our last show, you know, would I have been? Yes, yeah, I would have been surprised. If you go back to Wednesday when yes, we had our last show. that was our show. last show. We didn't have a yeah. show Thursday because of the Mets game. And so, yeah, if you go back to our last show, yeah, I was, I was not thinking Baker Mayfield at that point. I thought it was either Josh Allen because we had heard all the reports. I didn't buy into those reports. I thought that they were going to take... Sam Darnold, number one overall. I thought he was the safest pick. They need a quarterback. Man, they need a quarterback. And and so this is a little bit a little the, bit of a gamble. I guess anytime time, you pick number one overall, it's it's a gamble because it's gotta work out. It's a little bit of a gamble to pick the, to pick Baker Mayfield. But at the same time, Steve, I know I've said this before. I think Baker Mayfield could be the best quarterback in this draft. And you know that that's, And that's where we differ, because I don't yeah, think that I know you you definitely don't, but this is kind of, a, it's a, a weird way of saying it, considering everything else that goes into it. And I heard Steve Keim, the, the Cardinals GM, uh, allude to this, which I, I love this morning on, on ESPN, on, on the morning show there. But why don't we just watch them play actual football, rather than break down all this other garbage that goes around with it, right? Oh, he ran great running that three-cone drill. Oh, he ran great in a straight line. He jumped really high. His hands are a little too small. Like, it, why Why look at all that garbage? Why not watch them actually play football? And when you watch them actually play football, Baker Mayfield looks pretty damn good. And he makes plays on the run. He can throw the deep ball. He's very accurate. He looks great when you actually put the tape on and watch him play at Oklahoma. You know what, though? He doesn't have the biggest hands in the draft, Seth. Exactly. That's where he falls exactly. short. He does not have the biggest hands. And once again, and I'm not skipping over your Giants. We'll talk about your Giants in a second. Okay. Buffalo Bills, once again, got the quarterback with the biggest hands in the draft. They did this with E.J. Manuel. We all know how well that worked out. They got Josh Allen at I number seven. I think this seven. pick is going to stink. It all worked out the way that I was hoping it would work out. I texted you after the Browns selected Baker Mayfield number one. I texted you and I said, this is working out perfectly for the Bills. Giants take Saquon Barkley. Darnold goes to the Jets. You know, the Bills trade up and they get Josh Rosen. And the Bills didn't even have to to mortgage the future. They didn't even have to get rid of that second first round pick. They got rid of two second rounders, which is uh, you know obviously quite a bit. But you gotta hey, you gotta pay if you want to move it up. Was that bad. No, it wasn't yeah. that bad at all. They got the you know the second first rounder. They kept that. They move up to number seven. Perfect, Josh Rosen. Right. I mean that's that's what I was thinking. That's, I would have taken Rosen, and and the Bills decided against it. And then you know you hear the comments afterwards, and you know Sean McDermott. Brandon Bean, they were asked, first question, obviously the press conference, first question to Brandon Bean, why Allen over Rosen? And his answer was, they're both good, uh, but Allen is big. I th- that was his answer. He said, he said he is a Buffalo guy. He's an athlete. He's big. And then he referred to his hand size and his ability to throw in bad weather through the wind and yeah. the rain and the snow. I got a problem with that. Can I, can I just point this out? I think How we many- have the same problem. Go ahead. I know you play in Buffalo. I know you play in Buffalo, but how many games are there? Is there actually bad I weather? I said this very like, same thing earlier today. I was talking like, to somebody about the pick. I said the same thing. Maybe two games. That's maybe it. two games. You are you you are spot on, Seth. That you know, yeah. Once you get to December, 
December or January, the weather's not great in Buffalo. We all know this, okay? Right. But you're playing half of your games theoretically on the road in those months. So, you know, listen, that snowstorm, that was extreme last year. And but guess what you're not no, doing right. in that no snowstorm? No one's throwing in that. I don't, Josh <laughs> you're not Allen, dropping back and Joe throwing Montana, 30 times. You know, John Elway, nobody's throwing in that weather. That was aggressive. That was, that was on another level. But even if it's raining or windy, and it is windy in Buffalo, it's windy in that stadium. I, I get that you're going to have to play in bad weather, but I hope that that is not the only reason they picked this guy. And those were the two first reasons out of their mouths, both co- you know, both coach and GM. It was he's big, you know, and again referring to the hand size and how tall he is, and he's big and he he can play in bad weather, and I, and that's I a little concerning for me. I can't wait to watch hard count specialist Josh Allen in two years. So we'll get back to that. We have a lot to talk about with the Bills. We can certainly talk about the Jets. We can talk about the Browns. I do want to give you a chance in this first segment to, to vent a little bit about the Giants. And I know Thank you, you. I know you. You like the player, but hate the pick. I love the player. I love the player. I think he's the best player in the draft. I think he's a dynamic offensive weapon. I think he's going to score a lot of touchdowns. And uh, as Dave Gettleman, Dave Gettleman called him, a touchdown maker. But everything about this pick rubs me the wrong way. Every single thing about it. Uh, Dave Gettleman, once Baker Mayfield was was announced, did, turned his phones off. Said, don't even bother taking calls. Uh, to me, that's like malpractice. Uh, that That's stupid. That you, You're like, no, I'm, I'm not even going to consider dropping back to five. Why would I do that? I could pick up another pick, but how stupid would I be to drop back to fifth in the draft? Uh, the idea that he thinks that Eli Manning has years, years, plural, left in his NFL career, and said last night, um, he said last night that he he doesn't look, uh, he, he hasn't lost one bit of arm strength. He threw the heck out of the ball. That's like a direct quote from the Giants Twitter account uh, that Dave Gettleman said last night. And then you watch uh, you watch some of the things that he said today, in, in and it's just like he doesn't believe in positional value. He doesn't believe in analytics. Uh, he thinks Jonathan Stewart's a great running back still ten years in. It, the whole thing is mind blowing to me. I, I don't know how you do this. I, I don't know how you run a football team in 2018 saying no analytics aren't a thing. Analytics don't matter. Uh, you know, we we took the running back because the running back is still so important. I would have so much rather, so much rather seen the Giants take Sam Darnold number two and then take Darius Geis or Nick Chubb with the second pick in the second round. The drop-off between running back to running back in round one to round two is not nearly as big as the drop-off from quarterback to quarterback round one to round two or round one to round three. And the Giants need a quarterback. I know they don't need a quarterback as badly as the Bills or the Jets or the Browns, but they need a quarterback because Eli Manning will not play forever. And I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I do find it difficult to feel badly for you, though, when your team got, as you put it, arguably the best player in the draft. So can you at least take some solace in that, that that your Giants went out and they got the best player in the draft? And you actually, you have a functional quarterback right now. Now, he he is, he's functional. He's not the quarterback of the future anymore, downside of his career. I get it. I don't know how many good years he has left. Or fine years he has left. I'm not sure. I'm not sure he has any quote unquote good years left. But you have a quarterback. He's got some okay years. Weren't, some okay. You the one, weren't you the one who hated when I, I said okay? Well, the word <laughs> I hate the word fine. We've talked about this before. I hate the word fine because to me fine means you know it's subpar. Right. So okay, fine. They're on the same level. He might have a year or. 
two left that you would, you know, decent, good, whatever the case may be. He's not a great quarterback anymore. Certainly right. not elite anymore. Um, he, you know, he did some great things for that organization. He's on the downside of his career, but at least you have a functional quarterback. Yes, and then you get the best player in the draft. So I understand what you're saying. I don't disagree with you. I just I have a hard time feeling badly for yeah. you. You know, I, I had this thought last night. Maybe I'm nuts here, but they hired Dave Gettleman in December, right? He's 67 years old. Why does he want to develop a quarterback, right? So he he's looking at this. He's like, I'm 67. I got this job for four years, and then I'm I'm getting out of here. So let's win some so, games. Yeah, let's win some games. We got Eli. We got Odell Beckham Jr. We got Sterling Shepard. Let's just supercharge this offense, right? Let's throw Saquon Barkley right into the middle of it and just go nuts. Uh, okay, like that'll be fun. But who's playing quarterback for you in 2019? And this because re- I because I don't know the answer to that. And this reinforces that notion that the Giants want to get back to you know being a physical running football team. And as you put it a, a week or so ago when we were talking about this, it's a passing league. The NFL is very yes. much a passing league. The Giants want to be the best at running the football. Did you see him like openly mocking analytics? Doing like a he did like a fake keyboard on the on the table like just just openly mocking analytics like it's 2018. This is a thing that we do. We look at numbers. We look at at advanced stats. Like you can't just ignore this stuff. I, I'm the whole thing just just is amazing to me. So Giants fans questioning their first pick. Uh, Bills fans, I think many Bills fans questioning their first pick. The second pick, I thought was, they hit it out of the park. We'll get to that. I think certainly. the second pick was better than the first pick. I, I think we'll you know we'll certainly get to that as the show moves along. And, and again, we've got Toby Matika coming up. Um, Jets fans, I think you got to be thrilled that Sam Darnold fell in your lap. Yes, Seth. Uh, I got one more note here. Uh, Cowboys tight end Jason Witten planning to retire, and he will be the lead analyst of Monday Night Football. Oh wow. Okay, I could see that happening. That's from Chris Mortensen. Like so, I, so I'm no, assuming it's right. No, I'm not saying whether or not it's true. I'm saying like I could see him being being good in that role in yeah. the booth. No, as, I know, but the fact that it's coming from an ESPN oh. reporter, I'm assuming that's accurate. I wasn't questioning its <laughs> its accuracy. I was just I I could see him being good at that. Is what I meant to say. Yeah. Let's take our first time out. Full lines are open. We want to hear from you on round one of the draft. Jets fans, Giants fans, Bills fans. Three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. Back after this on ESPN Radio. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Phone lines open at 315-437-7644. Round one of the NFL drafts in the books. We can talk about the Josh Allen pick, and and we'll continue to do that for the Bills. I I do think Buffalo hit the second pick out of the park. And we knew going in, at least we thought going in, that they were going to be aggressive. They had six picks in the first three rounds. They stockpiled those picks so that, number one, they could get their quarterback, and again, number two, they could get... You know, some impact players. They got two impact players. Josh Allen is going to get a chance at quarterback at some point. Whether or not he succeeds, again, we can discuss that. That remains to be seen. But they got an impact player, player, certainly a quarterback, the guy who they think will be the franchise quarterback, whether or not they're right. Again, might be a few years off. The guy they picked up at number 16 overall, they traded up from 22 to take Tremaine Edmonds, uh, the, the linebacker out of Virginia Tech. This guy's a freak, freak athlete. Um, I think he fits into that that scheme perfectly. He's he's fast. He's athletic. Um, I thought this was a, a great pick. They got a guy who could theoretically come in and, and start from day one in Buffalo. Yeah, I thought this was a great pick. I, I thought this uh, filled a need for the Bills. I thought they needed a linebacker, um, and and also 
you you just look at his talent, right? He was projected to go higher. He starts slipping a little bit. Um, I know we focused so much all week and and uh, in the weeks leading up to the draft about them trading up from their first pick to go get a quarterback. Um, but I remember asking Sal Capaccio when when you were out earlier in the week. Uh, I remember asking him, you know, is it possible that they trade up from their second pick? And and uh, they had the picks and the abilities to go do that. They they did. They 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 found the guy they wanted. They targeted him and and they jumped up to grab him. I th- I thought this was a great pick. This is where I stand on the ja- Josh Allen thing. Yes, I thought they should have taken Josh Rosen when they traded up and they got their you know they got the third best quarterback in the draft. Right, you know Baker Mayfield was off the board. Sam Darnold. They got their pick of Allen and Rosen. I thought it would be Rosen. It is not my job to evaluate quarterbacks like they you know they did their homework they visited both guys they worked out both guys they met with both guys I did find it interesting that uh, reportedly they didn't even meet with Lamar Jackson yeah that was interesting um so they had no interest in Lamar Jackson so for them it came down between Josh Allen Josh Rosen and they take Josh Allen so it's it's their job to do their homework it's their job to evaluate it's their job to work out I I guess I'm going to have to trust this new regime until they can't be trusted. Well, that's, well, that's the other thing, isn't it? Don't you have a lot more trust in this regime than yes, uh, obviously than the last one? Yes, but, but even in previous, like you've got a lot more trust in Brandon Bean than others, right? Right, and it's not their fault that like EJ Manuel did not work out, and he had you know he was taken because he had big hands, or the Sammy Watkins trade, or you know the the long playoff drought, or the fact that they haven't had a true franchise quarterback since Jim Kelly. Like that's not Sean McDermott's fault. That's not Brandon Bean's fault. It's their job though to change that, and they think they did last night. So while the Bills fan in me, and I think you know Bills Mafia in general. You're you're skeptical just because you're a Bills fan and you've you know you've lived through so many years of just subpar teams. So I get it, but but again, that's that's not their fault, right? Um, they went out and they did last night what they thought they had to do, and and they they had to trade up and get a quarterback, and they did, and they picked between two, and they picked Josh Allen, and then you know Edmonds was there and he he slipped, and they said, you know what, we're gonna we love this guy, we're gonna go up and grab him. So they were aggressive. So I like that. Yes. I don't love the Josh Allen pick for a lot of reasons, but I'm I'm not going to crush him. It's it's one of those things I'm going to trust them until I can't. Do you think there's anything to this uh this idea and it's kind of a crazy idea, but maybe McDermott didn't really like the Allen pick either and said to be an all right, we went and got your quarterback. Now go get me a linebacker. Give, give me my defensive yeah. guy. I, I now have go to, get me my linebacker. I have to think that they were in agreement on who they were going to take. And when the Josh Allen news broke about the tweets and all that, um, you get the sense that he was going to be their guy, that they figured Mayfield and Darnold would be off the board. And if they had to pick, obviously if they had to pick, they were going to go with Allen. You get the sense that they were in agreement did that they it was leak, Allen. Did they leak the tweets? Uh, I mean, I know, I know. Schefter tweeted That's a theory yesterday out there, right? that maybe another team leaked the tweets so that Allen would fall. The, the timing is curious. Obviously, I mean, it's it, those were tweets that he apparently deleted six, eight, ten months ago. He he didn't give a direct timeline, but he said right. several months ago, up to a year ago, those tweets were deleted. So somebody was saving that information and saving those yes. tweets until the the night before the draft. So. Why was somebody trying to get back at him? As you mentioned, maybe it was a team that was hoping that you know he would fall and and they would they would get a steal potentially. Um, you know, I know that's a conspiracy theory out there. 
He fell to seven, and, uh, and Josh Allen is is now the newest member of the Buffalo Bills. Again, plenty more on this coming up. We do have to take a timeout. When we return, Toby Matika from Wham in Rochester will join us. We'll talk about the Bills draft, what happened last night, what happens the next two nights. Keep it here. Orange Nation returns right after this on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on ESPN Radio. Phone lines open the next half hour. 315-437-7644. We've got Art Stapleton. Covers the New York Giants for the Bergen record. He'll join us at about 1.30 as we'll uh, delve deeper into the draft for your New York football giant, Seth. Saquon Barkley going number two overall. Again, we started the show with that. I know you, you love the player, but Great you don't player. love the pick. Great player. Love the player. Don't like the pick. What else stood out to you from the first round? We spent a lot of time talking about the Bills and the Giants. Again, the Jets, I don't think you can argue with what they did. Sam Darnold fell in their lap. He's the guy they wanted all along. That was the easiest pick of the night. What else stood out to you from the first round last night, aside from Um, Giants, Bills, and Jets? A couple things early. Uh, You know, we mentioned the Denzel Ward pick. I think that was surprising. Uh, The Broncos taking Bradley Chubb and pairing him with Von Miller. Uh, that, that uh, That seems like a great move. Uh, the 49ers going against it, getting their offensive tackle to go along with Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, you know, I thought the Saints were going to take Lamar Jackson when they traded up. That was, you give up a future first rounder and you take a defensive end. That that was a little surprising. Yeah, and I guess the, the moral of the story is if there's somebody on the board that maybe has, has slipped later than you thought and you really, really want that guy, you go get your guy. And if you have the ammunition to do it, now the Saints gave up a first-round pick, as you mentioned. That That's the thing I liked about the Bills draft is that they didn't mortgage their future, that they were able to get done what they wanted to get done by giving up picks this year, the two second-rounders, the third-rounder, and, and they had enough ammunition right. to, to get two first-round picks higher than they were supposed to, and they still have a third-round pick tonight. Yeah, I, I love I, I love that aspect of the Bills things. They they didn't mortgage next year. They didn't they didn't have to do anything that put next year at jeopardy. And again, you mentioned the Denzel Ward pick by the Browns. That may have allowed Buffalo to keep that second first yep. round pick last night because then Bradley Chubb falls to the Broncos. The Bills reportedly had a deal in place with the Broncos. And then when Bradley Chubb fell in their lap, Denver said, uh, just kidding, we're not going to do that trade. Yeah. And so then the Bills had to be more patient, and they had to wait, and they they had to go up to seven and not five. And then instead of, you would guess, they would have had to give up both first-round picks to Denver to move up. Then they just had to give up one first-round pick to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well as the second-rounders to move up and, and grab Josh Allen. So that Denzel Ward pick, again, may may have helped Buffalo out, uh, You know, uh, obviously not on purpose, but indirectly help the Bills out. Yeah, it, it certainly seems like it did. It certainly seems like that's the pick that uh, that kind of threw things off off kilter a little bit, didn't it? Um, I, I also like, you know, when we look later in the draft, Calvin Ridley going to Atlanta and, and putting him with, with Julio Jones, and, and that could be a dynamic offense uh, for the Falcons. It already is, but you, it just more explosive, more dynamic. And, and doesn't it seem like the Patriots always have a good good draft? Yes. Always, that's what always, they do. Always do smart things. They they take an offensive tackle last night. They take a running back last night, Sonny Michelle, who who I think is the second best running back in this class behind uh behind Saquon Barkley. And then today they go out and trade for an offensive tackle from San Francisco. I mean they they always seem to have good drafts and, and they always seem to get the right pieces around uh Tom Brady. Allow Tom Brady to play until he's forty five. I mean, this is the move that 
getting two offensive linemen is is what will let him do that. Another thing that stood out to me last night and it kind of flew under the radar was the Martavis Bryant trade. The Raiders picking up uh, Martavis Bryant from the Steelers. They give up a third-round draft pick for him. And, and again, if you look at what's going to be available tonight, you know, late in the night, in the third round, is there anybody at that position that's as good as Martavis Bryant? And I know that he brings a lot of baggage with him and a lot of off-the-field stuff, but he's talented. And now you look at the receiving core that the Raiders have. They've got Cooper, they've got Nelson, and Martavis Bryant. Yeah. That is a pretty darn good receiving core. It, it really is. And, and uh, just to finish out the details of the Patriots trade today, they get Trent Brown from, from the Niners for the 95th pick. So they did the same math that, that you did on, on the Oakland trade and said, well, is that pick is the player we get at that pick going to be better than the player we're trading for? And and I think in most cases the answer is no. It's right? a win-now mentality, right? right? It's It's, you know... Do you take a prospect, or do you take someone who's established, who's a little bit older, obviously, in Martavis Bryant's case, a guy that has some baggage, Steelers didn't really want him anymore, it, you know, do you, do you take that on and try to win now, or do you take a prospect, you know, with the with the future in mind, and the Raiders are very much saying, and the Patriots for that matter too, you know, the Patriots want, they, they continue to win, they've been winning, the Raiders want to win now. Right, yeah, win now. Uh, I mean, look, the Raiders were in great shape last year uh, before Derek Carr Went down, right? I mean, they they look good, uh, and they and they have the last couple of years. Uh, if Derek Carr is healthy, the the Raiders look like a, a pretty good team. Uh, they they've got to manage to keep him healthy, but also throw throw receivers around him, like just just put pieces around Derek Carr, yeah. and and let him go to work. And, and he's got the pieces: Amari Cooper, yeah. Jordy Nelson, and now Martavis Bryant. Right. And again, it's it's early to be talking fantasy football, but Marshawn Lynch still there. I was going to say Derek Carr might not be a bad pick uh, as as your quarterback. He's got yeah. those weapons. You know that they're going to throw the ball a lot. So I thought that that was an interesting move. Um, how about the, the the brothers going in the first, first yes. set of brothers ever cool. to go in the first round of the NFL draft? Yeah, that that was really cool. Uh, you had uh, Tremaine Edwin Edmonds uh, going to the Bills, Terrell Edmonds going to the Steelers. Uh, I, I'm sub- were you surprised that had never happened before? Yes, I thought out of just like never sheer a long time. Would have, yeah, yeah, you would think it would have happened at some point, but never in the same draft class. Um, and in you know in in the first round, and so a very cool thing, very cool, obviously for that for I that think, family. I think the moment of the night, though, was was the the announcement of the Steelers pick, right? Yes. And and Ryan Shazier coming out and and you know walking out to the podium, making that pick after the injury, uh, devastating injury on on the Monday Night Football game last year. I th- that had to be the moment of the night. Na- of, yeah. of the night, right? certainly the most emotional moment of the night, and you know to to see him walk to the podium. Uh, obviously inspirational, at the same time terrifying, right? I mean, yes. that's that's yes. what can happen in an, in an instant in this game, and it, it, it does kind of put some things in perspective when, when you see that, you know, his life obviously has been changed forever, and he's certainly never playing football again. Yeah, you know, I, I said this to you in the break, and, and it might be a really shallow way of, of looking at it. It might have been a very shallow view, but I watch him come out, and I'm like, oh, this is really cool, really nice moment, great to see him walking again, and I'm like, he's never playing football again uh, he like, may never walk quite right yeah, ever again. I, I mean like joe theisman still doesn't walk right, right. uh you know and, and and this is you know totally different but i, I looked at him and i was like that's you know in, in a way it's really cool it's really uh, uplifting and in another way it's just terrifying i mean he he, he doesn't look right he, he still doesn't look right and uh it's scary but uh good to see that he's doing better than he was uh that was a terrifying hit 
That whole game was terrifying. Yes. Uh, That was certainly the moment of the night and the most emotional moment of the night. Uh, I asked you at the top of the show for the most, uh, you know, surprising moment of the night. And and we disagree on this a little bit. You said you weren't surprised by Baker Mayfield, and I understand what you're saying. When the pick was announced, I wasn't necessarily surprised at that moment. But we go back to our last show on Wednesday. And on Wednesday, we were not talking about Baker Mayfield going number one. We were talking about Sam Darnold going number one, potentially. We were talking about Josh Allen going number one, potentially. And Baker Mayfield turned out to be the guy. And again, if they're right, it's you know job well done by the Cleveland Browns. And if they're wrong, and Darnold ends up, you know, again, we think Sam Darnold is the safest quarterback prospect in this draft. They they rolled the dice a little bit by going Baker Mayfield. So I was surprised, not necessarily when the pick was announced, but for a guy that hadn't really gotten a lot of buzz as potentially the number one right. pick, Cleveland kind of you know thought outside the box on this one. Yeah, uh, didn't they do a great job of keeping it under wraps? Yeah. Uh, I mean, nobody knew, and nobody knew who the fourth pick was going to be. That was shocking. So uh, Cleveland managed to do a great job of keeping their picks under wraps. Uh, I know we think differently of Baker Mayfield. I I love Baker Mayfield, the football player. Would you agree love though him. that it's a, a little bit of a roll of the dice, given his size? Isn't and, any isn't any quarterback a well, roll of the dice? I mean, we've been is. over this. It's a yes. It's a fifty fifty proposition, if not worse. Do you agree the guy he's not gonna... the safest pick at that position? Don't you agree yeah, I that think Darnold, Darnold is, is a safer pick? Right. So in that, I regard, also think it's the Cleveland Browns, and they'll screw up whoever they get. That's what I mean, though, when I say a little bit of a role. Yes, of course, they're all. It's all. There's no, you know, no such thing as a guarantee in this business, and we know that. That's what I mean, though. Darnold, I think everyone, just about everyone, would agree he is the safest pick at that position in this draft class. And they I had the number so. one pick, and they so to me that's a little bit of a roll of the dice to go but away from the guy who's less safe and to to pick him number one overall and say this is our guy. But don't you think? And maybe I'm wrong here, and and you probably don't. Don't you think Baker could have a a higher ceiling? I think they I, both have a I high do. ceiling. I mean, I think they both have. You know, listen, they're they're both talented guys. I'm not suggesting he's not. You know, my problem with Baker Mayfield, it's not so much the physical stuff. I. There are certain positions I can get over the off the field stuff. The the quarterback position, I I don't want a punk for lack of a better term, right? I don't want Johnny Manziel as the face of my franchise, the leader of my team, the guy that you know my players, you know, and I'm I'm talking about if I was yeah. you know the coach of the team, I don't want to put my team and my players in the hands of that kind of leader. Maybe I'm wrong. I I, I think there's a big difference between Johnny Manziel and. And, Johnny Manziel is the extreme example. Do you see a little Ryan Leaf in Baker Mayfield? And in fact, some people do. In fact, I'm he's, sure. he's drawn comparisons yeah. by some national analysts with Ryan Leaf. I think that look, I I think there's a big difference attitude wise. And I know Johnny Manziel is the one. I think there's a big difference between Baker Mayfield and Johnny Manziel. Um. Yes, Manziel is the extreme example. I see some similarities. I see some red flags. And, you know, when you have some of these guys come through, and again, Ryan Leaf and Johnny Manziel are the extreme examples, guys who were picked in the first round, highly touted, and they were extreme busts in the NFL. And I'm not saying Baker Mayfield's going to be a bust, but do I see personality-wise some similar traits between him and those guys? I do, and then you're going to say, "Well, what about Brett Favre?" And we had yeah. Mike Kellan who said, "What about Jim Kelly?" He, you know, he yeah. was he kind of had that swagger, and so yeah. I again, I get it's not, you know, there's not a guarantee one way or the other. I just I would be uneasy personally. I would be uneasy putting my franchise in the hands of that guy. 
I I I don't. I I'm not. I I look at him as a guy who the concerns and and there's two different concerns here, right? One of the concerns is the DUI that he has, right? And that's and that's the one isolated one that that seems like a a, a concern personality wise. The other ones, the other stuff is all on the field. Uh, it really is. It's all field. It's. He went into Ohio State and shut up 100,000 Ohio State fans in the horseshoe on a Saturday night and was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have some fun with them. And I'm going to plant this flag at midfield. Okay. Like that's a that's a comp, that's a comp, uh, uh, competitiveness thing to me. The 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 crotch grabbing like it it feels like it's along the same lines and sure it it could be seen as an attitude thing, but to me it's it's like a competitive drive thing. Ugh. Seth, am I? You think I'm I insane? Well, come on, a competitive drive. He grabbed his crotch because a six-year-old wouldn't shake his hand before the game. <laughs> that is a maturity thing. And again, if you are an NFL quarterback, you are a grown man, and you are leading a franchise. I don't want an immature kid who, you know, oh, that six-year-old, he didn't shake my hand. So, I mean, come on, Seth. It's a motivational thing. The, he the need, not, hey, he needed a lot of motivation to go put 55 on Kansas that The day. not reading a playbook before Maybe. a meeting with another NFL what if, team? What if the Browns told them they were taking him number one already? Seth, then don't take the meeting. <laughs> don't waste everybody's time. My, my point is like... You're, no, that, you're, one's, that one's not good. You're giving I, excuses for him. No, he I is agree immature. with you on the Chargers thing. He the is Chargers immature. thing is not good. Okay, all of those things speak to maturity. Even the planning the flag, that's it's a maturity thing. And again, to, to come in this league... And to, to be a grown man and to lead a team, you got to be mature. You got to be able to keep you know your poise under pressure. It, it's okay to have confidence and have swagger. He's got that. I, there are some things about him personality wise that that rub me the wrong way and and are red flags for me. We got to take a timeout. Back after this on Orange Nation.